Welcome to the party, welcome to the Bible study, and welcome to week one of our series, Mind Your Business. And I need you to turn to your neighbor and announce that title and say it with some attitude, because I know you've been wanting to do so, Mind Your Business. And the idea behind this series is, obviously, we've talked about this in the past, I believe as the people of God, we ought to be redemptive in nature. God is certainly redemptive in nature. And it is looking at things and saying, hey, could we redeem this? And we just came out of a series uh, called For the Love of God. And we were talking about, is there anything redemptive in this expression that is made out of frustration? Um, can it be an expression that is made out of fascination? Like, oh my goodness, God loves us so much for the love of God. And the same logic is being applied to this series. When we say, mind your business, or we hear somebody say, mind your business, uh, typically we think in terms of, hey, bug off, right? Leave me alone, mind your business. And the question is, how would God think of that statement? When it comes to the statement, mind your business, is there a certain way in which God wants us to think about our work and our careers and our occupation? Is there a certain mindset that he wants us to have? And does God's word instruct us in this area? And so throughout the next few weeks, this is going to be a practical conversation, but hopefully a helpful conversation for each and every one of us applying our faith to our work and to our occupations and our career. And I will say on the outset of this one, I don't believe work can simply be reduced to the things you uh, are paid for. I think there's a lot of individuals who work around the clock, who work very hard, who don't receive a, a formal pay. You could be a, a college student who right now is working tirelessly in the classroom, uh, earning a degree, and that is work, and you can honor God through that type of work. And some of you work within the home, and I believe uh, that some of the best compensation comes in the forms of hugs and kisses, and, and there's a lot of work that takes place in the home that may not come with a formal compensation. But nonetheless, it is saying God... You have hardwired us for work, and you have built us uh, to be effective and to uh, really lend our talents and energy and time uh, towards being productive in this life. And so how can we do it in a way uh, that honors you? And I think anytime you jump into a new series, uh, the question will be, why are we having this conversation? Uh, what about uh, work uh, should be prioritized uh, for a community of faith? And I think that's a good question to have, and I think, one, uh, to state the obvious, every single one of us is going to have to work. Uh, every single one of us works in some capacity, in some context or space, and so this conversation uh, applies to every single one of us. In addition to that, what you find when you open up the pages of Scripture is the Bible begins with God working. In fact, if you go through the scripture cover to cover and you open up to page one, the very first sentence, Genesis chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning, at the very start of things, God created the heavens and the earth. That if you are building a theology chronologically, uh, what you find is you would have to immediately insert into your belief system, hey, this, this God of ours is productive and he has a work ethic and what I love about God's uh, story of creation is it allows us to peer into some of the details as to how he goes about his work and the type of God that he is. And perhaps one of my favorite details is when it comes to humanity, it, it says God formed humanity out of 
the dust. And you just get a few sentences into God's word and you discover uh, this man works with his hands and he's willing to get in the dirt. And anyone thankful for a God who's willing to get dirty and do the hard stuff and he doesn't run from your mess and he can look at a dirty situation and form something beautiful out of it that our God uh, is willing to get his hands dirty in his work. And he has a pretty impressive work ethic that is laid out immediately at the start of scripture. In chapter two of Genesis kind of brings his whole story creation to a close. And it says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And I love this because what you find about God, he comes out first week of history and he works six out of seven days, right? This God of ours has quite the work ethic. And it's just learning to lean into this reality that you and I are made in the image and likeliness of God. And you and I also will take on a function in this life where we will have to exert our energy and our talents and we too will have to work. And where I think sometimes people in the community of faith have it wrong and where we're not thinking about work correctly is I will have conversations with individuals and it is clear to me uh, that they think work is the byproduct of the fall. So in the beginning was uh, you know, the garden and God's perfect, wonderful creation and imperfection, this holy, righteous God was working. And then he brings humanity into play and before sin ever enters the world, what does he have humanity doing? Working. In fact, he says, hey, be fruitful and multiply, have an impact and be efficient and effective. That work was a part of perfection and that work will be a part of eternal perfection on the other side of the grave for every single one of us in eternity. And so what it's important for us to understand is work isn't a curse, which I know some of you wanna curse your job. Anyone who just wanna like curse someone out at your job, right? Church ought to be an honest place. And it's just saying, hey, maybe I should just look at this differently. Uh, maybe I should stop viewing my work, my career, my vocation as a curse, and maybe I could see it as something God seeks to do something in and through uh, my life. And I would say at the outset of the series, this week will probably be more of an introduction uh, conversation. I do think there are a few things that we need to change in our thinking and how we view our work. And the first I would say is you should change your boss. Can I get an Amen. Unless you work here, you should say amen to that. <laughs> Change your boss. And the idea is every single one of us is going to work in some capacity. You may be a child and much of your work is done in the home. And who do you report to? Mom, right? Dad, right? You have someone to report to or maybe you are on a team or in a classroom or maybe a, a department, a division, some company where there is an org chart and a pecking order of authority and there's someone you report to. And what you find in scripture is scripture says, yeah, but, but there's someone who is more superior than the person who sits above you on the org chart. There's someone above them that every single one of us reports to. And maybe, just maybe, if you were to change your boss and understand that you are working unto the Lord, uh, not just the person who uh, holds you accountable for deadlines and tasks, maybe, just maybe, that would shape the way you approach and think about your work. And scripture says a lot of things about this. Colossians would put it this way. Paul says, 
and whatever you do. Someone say whatever. Come on, those of us who grew up in the 90s, this was our go-to statement. Someone would go sideways on us and we'd say, whatever, right? Come on, wave at me if you ever used whatever. Yeah, that was our go-to growing up. And Paul's saying, hey, whatever you do, because what happens is, is sometimes we are really limited in our thinking. We create delineations and we become very superstitious and we think there are certain things that God values and works through and then there are certain things that they don't. In a space like this, we would uh, fall into faulty thinking to assume, oh, the best form of work is within the local church. That's the only type of work God appreciates and God's like, absolutely not. If the world was just full of CJs, we'd be in trouble. Uh, we, we need other different people with different skill sets who can have influence and carry out different uh, forms and functions throughout society uh, that reflect Christ. And so whatever you do, Scripture is saying, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so it's saying, I am going to live in a posture that thinks through my work as unto the Lord. And Paul would take this idea and he would put it in extreme terms. He would say, think about it in this type of situation. And he says this. He says, oh, never mind, we'll go to this one. He says, we were created to work with God and for God. And I think that is something that you will find all throughout Scripture from the very beginning, that we are co-laborers and participants in God's work in humanity. And I would say when it comes to that work, I would say work like it really matters to God because it does. Right, that God actually cares about your occupation. He cares about your career. He cares about the things you do on a daily basis. And uh, I think it is when we understand that God is attentive to those things, uh, we start to raise our awareness and intentionality and being effective in those spaces. And here's what Paul would say. Paul would say, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Now, it's, uh, we don't have a lot of time to unpack this today, but I would say it's important for us to understand that when Paul makes the statement slaves in his context and how they would have understand that and how that would have functioned uh, is radically different uh, than how we as an American culture and society understand and think of slaves in our nation. And he says, in this context, people who are servants within a home or in a space that report to somebody, in everything you do, do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord, whatever you do, there it is again, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. And there is no favoritism. And he's just saying, hey, regardless of who's watching, God's always watching. And don't just do things to curry someone's favor. Do things to honor God at all times. And I do believe that when you and I live in a way that says, hey, whatever I'm doing, I'm running it through the filter of does this honor God? And it'd be amazing uh, if we as believers could just make that our primary goal. I think we would turn the world upside down and we would have a tremendous impact and we would live very fulfilling and different lives that would stand out from culture if we just ask the question in every situation and dilemma and decision that we have to make, in this moment, how can I honor God? 
And when you are able to proceed with confidence knowing this is the best way I can honor God, well, what's gonna happen is you're gonna find that you're a pretty good business owner, you're a pretty good employee, you're a pretty good spouse, you're a pretty good parent, you're a good friend, because when you honor God and that's the goal, other things fall in place and you find that you are effective and you begin to thrive in other areas. Because what we find in scripture is Jesus came and he said, hey, I I came that you may have life and life to the full. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, as I look upon humanity, I find that most people are wasting their time, wasting their potential, wasting their purpose, and they have no idea of all the great things I could do in them and through them. And we as believers not only understand that Jesus came so that we may have life and life to the full, we recognize that he is the author of life. In fact, he modeled it in a way that shows us, not just declaring it, he demonstrated this is how you get the most out of life. And when we step into situations and we ask the question, hey, how does this honor God? And how can I look beyond the person I report to as my boss and see God at all times as the ultimate authority in my life? And so I think for some, it would be helpful in approaching your work to change your boss and say, hey, does this honor uh, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the God to whom I serve, amen? In addition to that, I would say change your assignment. I I think the job description conversation is often comical, and sometimes you can look at a job description that is boiled down to a few sentences and think to yourself, is that all this company wants of me? Is that all they require? And it's amazing to me the things that we leave off of a job description. I mean, you should go home and look at yours. Does it say anything about integrity and humility and courtesy? Does it say anything about being generous and grateful for those around you and serving others? Does it talk about your character and the type of person you should be in that space? And I think sometimes it's just saying, I'm going to uh, change my assignment in terms of I am going to establish standards for myself that my company or my division or my team may not be expecting of me, but I know my God expects of me. And I'm going to go above and beyond uh, because I know it brings glory to God. And as a follower of Christ, I want to be a standard bearer. I wanna be a person who adds value and I wanna be a person who represents Christ. So there's some things that I need to change in my assignment. And what you find is your assignment Uh, really determines your alignment. When you start to recognize, hey, these are the things that I know that I know, in addition to my job description, God has called me to, standards that he wants me to bear. And as I graft them into the assignment that I'm carrying out, I find alignment with God's purpose and plan and will for my life. And so maybe just maybe there's some assignment adjustments that you could make or things that you could add uh, that would elevate your standards to the godly life that God's called you to. Peter, he would say it this way. He would say, each of you should use whatever gift you have. Again, we tend to overrate some giftings over the others. And Paul or Peter and all the writers in scripture, they're saying, yeah, God has given all of us unique skill sets. And then he, in his sovereignty, has allowed us to walk a life that has come with experiences that have shaped us into our uniqueness. And he's saying, use all of that. Use all of that as leverage to benefit uh, those around you and to bless God. He says, whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, well, they should 
They should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so uh, with the strength of God, that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever, amen. And it's again saying, hey, I, I need to do this unto the Lord. I, I need to serve in a way, work in a way, steward my time, resources, talents in a way that brings glory to God. And I think that most people, when it comes to their careers and their occupation, uh, they have a very limited view, I would say even a very shallow view of what their work should be. And I think when it comes to the work conversation, most people would say, well, I have a job because I need a job. Right, which is true, and that's a baseline understanding. Uh, we have to work. You, you need a job. But maybe, just maybe, you should consider your job needs you more than you need your job. Because here's the beautiful thing. God's redemptive plan is continuing to unfold in real time in history. And it takes all kinds of people to reach all kinds of people. And for whatever reason, God in his sovereignty has placed each and every one of us in different spaces with different spheres of influence, as well as different networks and relationships. In other words, there are people in your life that you could reach that I could never reach. And maybe, just maybe, you are the one Christ-like representation in your office or company. You may be the only Bible those people ever read. And so it's just saying, hey, how accurate, how true, how faithful, how consistent am I at representing Christ in this space? And I would say, church, be the best Jesus your work has ever seen because you may be the only Jesus they ever see. And so it's just learning, okay, God, help me graft this into my thinking. If I'm the only representation of Christ that some people experience, uh, Lord, help that uh, inform my decision-making, help that change the way in which I think about my interactions and how I go about my work. Also, God, let that be a motivation and a daily inspiration for me to seize the moment and to have an impact in the opportunities that God has given me. Because I think what happens is we, we go through life and we're just missing opportunities. And God's like, that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity. And you might be God's answered prayer to someone's life. Think about it. Everyone prays, whether or not they realize it or not. Somebody's having a hypothetical conversation. Someone out there, please hear me, help me. And uh, God is attentive to those things. And you might be uh, God's answer to someone's prayer. And you are in proximity to people that God cares deeply about. And maybe, just maybe, you could be some Jesus with some skin on. So I would say change your boss, change your assignment, and lastly, I would say change your purpose. I think we have, again, very shallow views of our work, and so we just think in terms of tasks, we think in terms of deadlines, we think in terms of like performance indicators and some of that stuff, which is critical to an organization or a company. Um, but maybe, just maybe your work could be more purposeful. And Jesus once, in the book of Matthew, he's, he's laying out what is called the, the Sermon on the Mount. It's his infamous sermon. And he, he says this. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father 
in heaven. So that's a loaded statement. He's saying, let your light shine in whatever space that you're in so people may glorify your God who is in heaven. And he stretches our thinking and he's saying, hey, what you're doing should point people to eternity. And this is where I think we sell ourselves short in the work conversation. I think if you go through the pages of scripture, you will find that scripture instructs us to think of our work in six different levels. And what I find in my limited experience, uh, most people tend to live at the first two levels and they never really lean into the four other levels that God is drawing us into when it comes to our work. And the first level, baseline, is necessity that we work to meet our needs. And, And that's a real thing. There's nothing wrong with it. That's the starting point of work. I work because I have needs. I have a spouse. I have children. I have responsibility. I work to meet my needs, and that's good. But there's a greater understanding of work. And the second level would be identity. I work to express my talents. Now, tragically, this is where most people stop. And what happens is, is they, they take on an unnecessary and unhealthy um, obsession with their work as the source and the ultimate uh, reason for their identity. And then what happens is, is anytime an individual goes through a career transition, they are thrusted into an identity crisis because they put too much of their identity in their work. Yes, uh, work is an opportunity for you to express your talents. It's, it's part of your identity, but it's not your full identity. Does that make sense? And if you stop there, uh, it's going to come with some challenges. Beyond that, though, Scripture would say, that there's a maturity side to it, that you work to grow my character. Which here's what I love about God. While you and I are productive, God is also simultaneously productive in our lives. And I grew up playing basketball and I always loved the time of practice where you got to scrimmage, right? And it was kind of the the practice game before the real game. You're constantly scrimmaging, honing your skills and preparing for game-like situations. And I think in many ways, work comes with a lot of scrimmages. It comes with a lot of repetition where what happens is, is as you go to work, uh, haven't you found that God is working on your character? Haven't you found that God is working on your humility? God is working on your integrity. He's working on your wisdom. He's working on your concern and care for other people. That God, if you would allow him to, will work on you through your work. And so the question is, is, hey God, when I show up to the office or when I show up on the job site and God, I embrace and embark on my work, God, would you make me aware of how you are working on me? And many of you can relate to this. You get into your career and haven't you got 20 years down the road and you turn around and you look back and you're like, man, when I first started, I thought I had it all figured out. I had a degree and I stepped into my career with the mindset of I'm ready to lead the entire industry because I know it all. Anyone else that was kind of you? You you come out of school like, hey, I know it all. And then God places you in a cubicle next to someone who's been in the company for 40 years and every single day you're reminded, I know nothing, right? And you grow, you look back on how you used to think about your work and how you used to approach certain situations and you think to yourself, oh my goodness, when I first got started, I was a moron, right? Anyone else? That's my story. You should have seen me when I first became a pastor. It was a train wreck. And 
what you find is over time, uh, God, he develops you and you mature and he goes to work on your character. And I think sometimes overlooking this facet of work, uh, we forfeit a fulfillment and a connectivity to God at all times in our life. Uh, because what we do is we, we compartmentalize. And so we work for maturity. In addition to that, we work for charity. We work to help others. And I think a mark of spiritual maturity is an individual who has arrived at a place where they have graduated beyond themselves. I think, and you'll hear me say this often, being a Christian is not doing God a favor. Being a Christian is doing yourself a favor. Uh, that it is learning to embrace God's instructions for life and realizing, oh my goodness, this is the best approach. But in addition to that, as you do so, what you discover is the best thing you can do for yourself is to do something for someone else. One of the best things you can do for yourself is to do something for someone else, to get beyond yourself and to see, hey, that there are other people around you uh, that God cares deeply about and maybe, just maybe, you could be the instrument of hope and peace and joy and love and grace and strength and wisdom in that person's life. And I, again, I, I think we are missing so many opportunities to get beyond ourselves and to help other people. And we obviously live in a culture and a society that is increasingly narcissistic, and I think the people of God uh, would stand out as a bright light within our culture if we were those who lived with concern and just joy in loving others well and celebrating and helping other people thrive. I, I think that's a mark of spiritual maturity. I, I think we live in such a dysfunctional, hyper-competitive culture where it's doggy dog world, and I think as believers, we should be those who enjoy seeing other people thrive, desire to see other people thrive, individuals who are quick to celebrate other people succeeding and achieving. And the world is full of haters. I think it needs some congratulators who come alongside folks and say, hey, that's awesome. I'm excited about all that God is doing in and through your life, even if you don't realize it's the goodness of God bestowed upon you. And I think what would happen is if we as believers uh, just cared so deeply about other people and you start to get into a space uh, where God presents opportunities to you daily to have an impact. So charity is one. And in addition to that, a, a close second to that would be for credibility. We work to witness to others. Now, here's what's interesting about work is work creates this microcosm of life where you put a group of people uh, in a, a small space and in proximity with each other, and most of them are going through the same type of things every single day, and you grow in your awareness of what your coworkers are going through. Have you ever found that to be the case? Over time, you, you learn some things about your coworkers' marriages. You learn some, some things about your coworkers' children. You, you learn some things about your coworkers' health and finances. And you, you become aware of those things. In addition to that, if you work on a team, in many ways, you and your team endure things together in real time at the same time. 
So the economy turns upside down, something impacts your industry, and everyone on the team is navigating a tumultuous season and taking on stress. And here's what happens. It is in those moments where your commitment to Christ and your approach to godly standards starts to set you apart from the group. Before long, individuals start to realize, wait a second, we're all kind of going through the same thing. But this one over here approaches their marriage differently. Hey, hey, we're all going through the same thing, but this one over here approaches parenting differently. Uh, hey, we're all going through the same things. You know, you know, I have family who are ill, or maybe I just got a diagnosis myself, or, or maybe you know, someone on the team has lost a loved one. We're all going through seasons of grief and suffering, but what I'm starting to realize is this individual suffers differently than the rest of us. You know what I'm saying? And what you find is, especially when things get tense and high pressure within the work environment, individuals start to realize, hey, there is a peace that surpasses understanding on this one. And curiosity begins to develop. Hey, I just gotta ask, what's so different? Why is it that you approach your marriage like that? Why is it that you're raising your children like that? What equips you to suffer in such a honorable way as you do? Why do you have peace when the rest of us are anxious? And it's in those moments that curiosity becomes the opportunity. And you get to give reason. Well, it's because I've anchored my life to Christ. It's because I live every single day rooted and secured in his grace. It's because I know he is sovereign and he works all things together for good. It's because I, I know he has a purpose for my life. I, I know who my God is and I know who I'm working unto, Amen. And so I, I approach things differently, and suddenly individuals, they start to lean in. And, and again, I, I think we're, we're compartmentalizing too much. And it is just learning to say, hey, God works in these type of spaces too. And you would be surprised to find that the church is not only the ministry environment. Maybe just maybe the office you're in is a ministry environment that God seeks to use you to express his love uh, and goodness to others. And lastly, the final category, which is what Jesus was pointing to, we work to grow the kingdom. I think every believer, sorry, I'm stuttering up here. I think every believer should be motivated to make heaven crowded. God, I just wanna get to the other side and find out I played some role in that individual coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I wanna get to the other side and be like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Somehow God was at work in my life and extending influence to me. And as a result of it, this individual embraced a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I would say when it comes to your work, don't commute between your spiritual life and your vocational life. Do not commute between your spiritual life and your vocational life. Because again, we, we do life in boxes. And so we have spaces where we do the work thing, spaces where we do the religious thing, and spaces where we do the family thing. And you can go on down the list. And when it comes to those three, let me just tell you, the home takes precedence. It is the priority. Uh, in fact, this is gonna be a very pastoral thing to say that might create some tension, but, but lean in. Nobody at home should ever feel like they're competing with anyone or anything at work. Nobody at home should ever feel like they're competing with anyone 
or anything at work. And, and we face this daily pressure, right? Because you, we live in work environments where individuals are married to their job. And they're not used to seeing people who are married to a spouse. And sometimes we get to be the witness. But here's what happens is there is a constant daily pressure for us to conform to the patterns of our peers. And we are trying to live up to others' expectations. And here's what happens. Our fear of mattering much draws us away from what matters most. Our fear of mattering much at times in the workplace draws us away from what matters most in the home. And it's just saying, no, I'm, I'm going to bring my best to my home, my home. I'm going to bring my best efforts to the workplace. And if anything, folks, I would say, bring your best to home, best to work, and bring your worst to church. If you're gonna be bad somewhere, be bad here. I mean, because this is a community that should be known for grace, a community that, hey, we link arms with one another, we encourage one another, we extend grace to each other, we support, we serve, we pray. If you're gonna come up short, do it here so you can be set up for success out there where it matters. In fact, I would say it this way. Your Christian life can be measured more by who you are at work than who you are at church. Because folks, it's so easy to be a Christian here. The question is, is can we walk outside the four walls of the church and live a Christian life? And, and maybe just maybe God has before you uh, some great opportunities. So in, in quick, three quick statements. Work like God assigned your job because he did. I'd also say work like you are on mission because you are. If you are a Christian, your life's mission is an extension of Jesus's mission. And lastly, I would say work like it is your worship to God because it should be. I am working unto the Lord, and God, I want my efforts uh, to honor you and bring glory uh, to you. Amen.